This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. For a little while this morning, I want to talk about a, an example that we have in the Old Testament of a really good friend. And that good friend is a man by the name of Jonathan. And what we have going on here is Jonathan was King Saul's son. So to kind of set the stage a little bit, this was King Saul was the first king over Israel. So before then they had judges and then they elected that, that they wanted uh, Saul to be the first king. And Jonathan was his son. So Jonathan was next in line to take over the crown after Saul to be the next king. However, David would take this position from him being anointed by the Lord. So David would actually come and be the second king over Israel instead of Jonathan. You know, when we think a little bit about that, Jonathan had this, this circumstance to despise and to resent David. But he chose not to. He saw David's faithfulness in the Lord and when he went out and defeated Goliath. And related to this, because earlier Jonathan had gone out against the other Philistine army with the same faith and the same bravery. So we first encounter Jonathan meeting David, and this was going to be right after David had defeated Goliath. Now what had happened was David was from the house of Jesse. Jesse was his father. He had seven older brothers, and all of his older brothers were out in the Israelite army, and David goes to, to check on his brothers and to take them food and make sure they're doing okay. And that, of course, that's the story of David and Goliath, that all the Israelite army would not go out and face Goliath, and David did. David went out there, out there with the faith of the Lord, and he went out and defeated Goliath. Well, once he did that, Saul wouldn't let him go back home. Saul said, you can't go back to your father's house and said, you're going to come live with me. You're going to come live in the king's house. And he took him in kind of like his own son. So really, it would have been almost like a brother to Jonathan of taking him in like a son. However, Jonathan was the rightful heir to the king. So this is when we first encounter Jonathan meeting David in 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. What you have here is the very first time that we encounter Jonathan meeting David, we can immediately see his giving nature, that he immediately gave things to David. And when you think a little bit about that, you know, David was a lowly shepherd boy. He didn't really have a whole lot. He wouldn't have had the royal robes that Jonathan would have had. He would have had just rags, just plain old clothes. He didn't have the weaponry of a soldier that Jonathan would have. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a bow. and In fact, we know that he had a sling and some stones, and that's how he defeated Goliath. And we can immediately see Jonathan's giving nature to them. So he gave him a robe instead of his poor rags, and he gave him his bow and arrow instead of sling and stones. Giving these things would now present David as a prince and as a warrior instead of the lowly shepherd that he was raised to be. Jonathan gave David everything that he had. He gave him his clothes, he gave him his weapons, and he even gave him his place in line for the, to take over the royal crown. What we have there in verse 3, it says, And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. This covenant, when you look up in the Strong's Concordance, what that really means, sometimes we today take that word covenant and we kind of take it for granted. We made a covenant with someone, or, or maybe we say we made a commitment to someone, and a lot of times we don't really honor those commitments. 
those commitments don't really mean a whole lot. This meant a lot. This word covenant was a friendship and an agreement to keep up and maintain a cordial respect for one another, both in life and after death. This covenant was a deep, deep covenant. So when we say that Jonathan loved him as his own soul and he made a covenant, this was going to be a cordial respect that they, go, they were going to have for each other, both in life and even after death. They were going to maintain this covenant. It says that he loved him as his own soul. This was more than just words. This was a deep affection one to another that was lasting. Could you imagine telling someone that you love here today that you love them as your own soul? Not as your own life or as your own self, but you love them as your own soul. That eternal being that you have, that is a deep, affectionate love that we see that they had for one another. So immediately we can see the love that Jonathan had for David. Right after this, after David had defeated Goliath and he was brought into Saul's house, Saul kind of started going a little crazy. And where that really showed up is a lot of jealousy. Saul's anger and jealousy grew against David because the people loved David more than they loved Saul. Now Saul was the king, but David had just went out and defeated Goliath. And, and some of the words on the streets is the people would go around and they would say, well, Saul had slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And you can immediately see how the people were loving David, a lowly shepherd boy, more than they were loving the king. And this caused the king great jealousy and great anger even to the point where Saul was going to go out and kill David. So if we continue on in verse 6 through 9 of the same chapter, 1 Samuel 18, it says, And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet Saul, with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more than but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. You can see this is immediate jealousy and anger that started taking place. This was not very long right after they got back from defeating Goliath. So he, he just brought David into his, his own house, wouldn't let him go to his father's house, and just brought him back in. And now you can see this jealousy starting to creep up. Now, this would really put Jonathan in, a, in pretty much of a tight spot. If you think about Jonathan's position, he loves David as his own soul, but he also has his father to think about. He also has the kingdom to think about. And Saul, now the king, and his father is now against someone that he loves as his own soul. That puts him in a little bit of a predicament. But Jonathan was a true friend who loves at all times. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So Jonathan maintained that friendship. He maintained the covenant that they made with each other, both in life and after death, that they were going to have that respect and love for each other. And Jonathan would maintain it. And in fact, Jonathan would then go and continue to strengthen David. Even when his own father was against him, he would go and encourage him and give him strength to, to continue on. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15 through 17, it says, And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness in, of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father, knoweth. 
Now look at what Jonathan goes and he tells David. Remember, he's next in line to be the king. But you can see where he just gave that up so that David would be king. He knew that David was anointed by the Lord to be the next king of Israel. And Jonathan was not going to stand in the way of that, and he was not going to let his father stand in the way of that. It says, He went on, and he said, That thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. So he would maintain this friendship and this respect for each other, even putting himself behind David as the next king over Israel. So we can see that love and respect that they had for each other. The next thing that we see, we see that Jonathan has a very giving nature. The next thing that we see is Jonathan has a warning nature about him. He goes and he warns David of potential dangers that are coming ahead. And he goes and, and tells him that of his father's plans to kill him. You know, Jonathan is still living in his father's house. David at this point is he's out. He's basically running for his life against his king the king of Israel. He's running away and, and trying to stay protected. And Jonathan was still living in the house. So Jonathan would hear all the plans and Jonathan would know what's going on. So Jonathan goes out and finds David and he warns him of, of Saul's plan to kill him. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 18 through 22, it says, Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, then shalt thou go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself when the business was in hand, and shalt remain by the stone easel. And I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof, as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad, saying, Go, find out the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, Behold, the arrows are on this side of thee, take them, then come thou, for there is peace to thee, and no hurt, as the Lord liveth. But if I say thus to the young man, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. This was Jonathan's plan with David to let him know what was going to happen to him. As he was getting the insider scoop from his father Saul, he was going to go take a message to David, but he couldn't expressly go tell David what was going on because other people might see him. So this was the plan. That David was going to hide in the wood and Jonathan was going to go out and he was going to go shoot three arrows and he was going to take someone with him. And if he told the guy that he shot arrows that the arrows are on this side of thee, you've gone too far, come back then that was a sign to David that everything's fine and that he could return home. But if he goes and says to the, to the young guy that the arrows are beyond thee, you've got to keep going, then that's the sign to David that you've got to get out, that Saul was trying to seek your life. So this was the plan, and this is once Saul has response to this plan, Saul had heard of what the plan was going on. We can see his response in verse 30 through 34. It says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse, which is David, to thine own confusion and to the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. You can see at this point that Saul's anger and jealousy had grown so much to the point that he was even going to smite his own son for trying to protect David. And he threw a javelin at him. Which, of course, this would really upset Jonathan. And remember the tight spot that it really puts him in. 
Is he going to maintain that covenant that he has for David? Or is he going to follow after his father's wishes and potentially even his own worldly wishes to become the next rightful king? Well, Jonathan chose the wise thing, and that was to maintain that respect and that covenant that he had with David. So he goes out and to reveal Saul's anger towards David. It's going to be in verse 35 through 37. It says, And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad with him. And he said unto his lad, Run and find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? Remember, the plan was that if he shot the arrows beyond the young boy, that that was a sign to David that your life is in danger and you should flee. So this is revealing to David what's going on, and he's showing Saul's anger towards him. So David now has to depart. He has to continue on. And to my knowledge, and looking everything through the Scripture, David and Jonathan would never see each other again after this point. So David would be gone, and they would never see each other. In verse 42, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went to the city. So you can see once again that they maintained this covenant, and, and that they brought it back up. And they said that the Lord be between me and thee, and not only between me and thee, but between my seed and thy seed forever. That covenant that they had was both in life and after death forever. So when we talk about the good friend Jonathan, I think you can see both his giving nature and his warning nature, that he stuck true to his commitments, and that he really was that good friend that we all desire to have in this world. When we think about Jonathan warning David and the dangers that he have, it reminds me that we have warnings for each other today. In 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 9, it says, And he charged them, saying, Thus shall you do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statues and judgments, ye shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord. And so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. This do, and ye shall not trespass. The instructions that we get and the example that we have from Jonathan is that we should be warning each other all the time. Warning each other that we never trespass against the Lord. And that we show the immediate dangers that will happen if we do trespass against the Lord. We're always looking to keep each other in check. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. We should always be looking to keep each other in check, and if we're that true friend with each other that Jonathan was to David, then we will warn each other of potential dangers, of blind spots in each other's lives. Maybe there's something that I'm doing that's trespassing against the Lord that I'm not even aware of. And as a true friend and as a brother in Christ, I would hope that you would present that to me and point it out. And we should be doing that with all people, with all of us. And this true friend will constantly give us sound advice when we need it. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9, it says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. You know, it is such a blessing that we have when a true friend will give us sound advice. It can be healing, and it can both be comforting to the soul. Just as ointment heals your wounds and perfume is pleasant, 
That's exactly what comforting and sound advice from a true friend looks like. So we can see this love that Jonathan had for David. We can see this is what he did, that covenant that he upheld. And we can show one another the same kind of love by doing kind things for them and keeping them accountable. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. If we really love each other, we're presenting these and we're warning each other from dangers in our life and potential blind spots, it keeps all of us from stumbling. It keeps all of us from trespassing against the Lord because collectively all of us can point out the dangers and the flaws and the things where we may be getting a little bit off course. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul gives us the qualities of love that we can see throughout the story of David and Jonathan. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning of verse 4, it says, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, and is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You can look and you can see all these descriptions of charity, which that word charity means love. You can look at all these different descriptions of love and you can see them presented out of the life of David and the love that he truly had for David, out of the life of Jonathan and the love that he truly had for David. You can see that the love that they had one for another. Going back to the story with Jonathan and David, after Jonathan and David had separated and they never saw each other again, Jonathan and Saul are killed in battle against the Philistines. 1 Samuel chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the man of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down, slain in the Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul to his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come, and thrust me through, and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. <clears throat> so what we have here is Jonathan and, and Saul's other sons, they were out to battle, and the Philistines overtook them. The Philistines killed him so much to the point that Saul would take his own life so that the Philistines wouldn't take his life. Now when David hears of their death, you can imagine the mourning that David would feel at this time. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, beginning of verse 4, it says, And David said unto him, this is talking to a messenger who would come and tell him about the battle, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered that the people were fled from the battle, and many of the people are also fallen and are dead. And Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. Then going down to verse 11, Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. You can imagine the emotion that David would feel at this time, that his lifelong friend and that this guy that he had a covenant with, both in life and after death, was now killed by the Philistines. What's really interesting, too, is to see that the mourning that David had for Saul, 
Now remember, Saul was his king, but Saul was the one trying to kill him. He was seeking his life, and he was trying to wipe him out. And even though that was the case, David still mourned that Saul had taken his own life in battle. And what we have here in 2 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, is what's referred to as the Song of the Bow. Now we know that David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and David also wrote this. And what we call the Song of the Bow is a tribute to Jonathan and to Saul going into battle. 2 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, this is David writing. It says, The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, from the bow of Jonathan, turn not back, and the sword of Saul return not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel, Oh, how are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle. O oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in thy high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen, and the weapons of war perished. You can see that David writing this, we can feel the emotion that comes across when he lost his friend that his, his true friend was now dead, and you can feel that emotion that, that comes out from that. <clears throat> you know, after this, we, we have this covenant. The covenant that they made was both to be in life and after death, and Jonathan reminded him of that when they departed for the last time from each other, that the Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And David had an opportunity at this time that Jonathan was now gone. And now David was going to take over the rightful place as the king. And everybody knew it, that the Lord had anointed him to be king. David didn't have to uphold that covenant, but he did. He did because that's the right thing to do in the covenant that he had for his friendship. So what he did was, next thing is, he looked for any descendants that was going to be after Jonathan. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it says, And David said, Is there yet any man that is left out of the house of Saul, that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. So David, now after he's king, he's looking of how he can honor his commitment, and how he can show kindness, and how he can take care of the people who were left after, after Saul's house. Now this one, the son with Jonathan, which was lame on his feet, this was a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was crippled when he was only five years old. And Jonathan had made a covenant that went beyond death. And it's quite interesting that Jonathan actually never knew his son to be crippled. Jonathan knew his son Mephibosheth, but what had happened was when his son was five years old, they were fleeing for their lives from the, lives of the, uh, from the Philistines that were going to kill them. And it says that the nurse had, had dropped Mephibosheth when they were running, and when they did that, it caused him to be crippled. So Jonathan never knew that. 
But now he had a, a crippled son that needed to be taken care of. So in 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, it says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Now, to kind of set this up a little bit, the mentality of Mephibosheth is he was quite afraid. When David had reached out and, and called Mephibosheth to his house, now David as the king, Mephibosheth was afraid because he knew how Saul had treated David. And he was afraid that David was going to now come after his own life. Because if you think about how the kingship works, is Saul was going to be king, and after him, David was, or Jonathan was going to be king, and then after Jonathan was going to be king, then who would be the next rightful heir? Mephibosheth as the next king. So he had the bloodline to be the next king, but now David took over the throne. So David was a king. Mephibosheth was afraid that David was now going to kill him. And David didn't do that. David said, Fear not, because I will show you kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake. I made a covenant with Jonathan, and I will take care of you. And Mephibosheth lived with him for the rest of his life. He stayed with David. And he was in the king's house and was restored to that royal place that he would have been if Saul, his, father, his grandfather, was still living. So David upheld his, his covenant to Jonathan. What we have here is we have an example that I want to relate it to, to the true friend that we have today, and that's a true friend of Jesus Christ. When you look at Jonathan, Jonathan immediately saw David, and he saw David in rags, and he saw David coming from a lowly shepherd house, and he didn't really have anything, and he gave him royal robes. When we come into contact with Jesus through his blood, when we obey his covenant, that's how Jesus sees us too. That we're showing up with our rags and, and our unclean garments of sin, and he's going to wash those away and give us a robe of righteousness. This is Jonathan gave him the royal robes. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. The next thing we see is that Jonathan shared his heirship to the throne with David. In fact, he took a step back so that David could have the throne in front of him. Jesus does the same thing with us today. When we become a Christian, Jesus shares his heirship with God with us. He shares it with you and I. Romans chapter, six, eight, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. The, last, the third thing that we see that Jonathan did was he warned David of dangers ahead. He warned him of things that were coming his way to protect him. Jesus warns us of the same thing. He warns us of dangers of this world. He warns us of sin. He warns us of false prophets. He warns us of dangers that can creep into our life to protect us. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, this is Jesus talking here. It says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of, figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Jesus is warning us here of false prophets that could easily come in and lead us astray to protect us, to make sure that we stay on the right track. So what we have here is the examples that we have is that Jonathan gave his robes of righteousness and royalty to David, and Jesus does the same thing with us today when we become a Christian. Jonathan shared his rightful place on the throne, the throne of Israel, to David because that was the Lord's anointed. And Jesus does the same thing with us today when we become a Christian. He shares his heirship of God, the creator of all things, with us when we, we have that covenant with him. Jonathan warned David of dangers ahead, and Jesus warns us of dangers ahead, too, to protect us. So when we look at the story of David and Jonathan, we can see that Jonathan was the true friend that we all desire in life, and that they made a covenant with each other, both in life and after death. The really interesting part is that Jesus has made a covenant with us today. And when you become a Christian and you're baptized into him, you made a covenant with him. And that covenant is both in life and after death. The response that we have from David is David fulfilled his covenant with Jonathan and took in his son as his own after Jonathan's death. So the question we have this morning, will you fulfill your covenant with Christ and take care of his children, both in life and after death? We can see that what, what David did with Jonathan, and now it's our turn to give our responsibility with our covenant with Christ. Jesus tells us that if we love him, if we love Jesus, we'll take care of his children. John chapter 21, beginning of verse 15, it says, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. If you love Jesus, take care of his children. Feed his sheep. Make sure they're well attended for. That is the covenant that we have with Jesus, is to take care of his children, both in life and after death. <clears throat> the truth is that we all need each other, that we all have hard times. Some of us are going through hard times right now. Some of us haven't gone through hard times recently, but your time's probably coming. We all go through hard times, and we absolutely need each other to make it through this life to stay strong. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. You know, we think about this all the time, and, and one of the, the greatest blessings that we have in this world is the family through, through Christ's blood. That we can truly lean upon each other and we can help each other when hard times fall our way. I honestly have no idea how people handle it that they don't have the family of Christ. I really don't. But when we lean upon each other, we take care of each other, we're also fulfilling that covenant that we made with Jesus. Both in life and after death, that we will have that true covenant to take care of each other when, when we need each other. 
And as Christians, we're taught to bear one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we look at this, a lot of times we may talk of we want to fulfill the law. We want to make sure that we're doing what Christ wants us to do. And sometimes we don't really look too in depth of what is the law of Christ. Well, the law of Christ is more than just this, but here is one example of, of what it is. It's bear one another's burdens. If you want to fulfill the law of Christ, you take care of each other. Make sure you're there for your fellow brothers and sisters when they need our help. It's one of our duties, and it's one of our privileges of being a Christian, to take care of each other and to receive the care when we need it. Jonathan fulfilled his duty, and David received the privilege during his burden against Saul. Then David fulfilled his duty, and Jonathan received the privilege after death when Jonathan took care of his own son, Mephibosheth. Sometimes it may get hard. When you think about Mephibosheth, he was crippled. That's not the easiest person to bring into your house and take care of as your own son. Sometimes it's a little bit harder than others. And sometimes what we have is our fellow brothers and sisters, God's children, may be spiritually crippled. There may be something spiritually in their life that's keeping them off course, so that's throwing them aside. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's challenging to stay true and to bear the burdens of those who need your help most. But in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it tells us to keep going. Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Sometimes you might get a little bit tired. Sometimes there may go things that it feels like there's too much on your plate. There's just too much to handle. And in Galatians, Paul is writing to us here, and he says, Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep going. Keep going to help those that are in need. Don't faint. Make sure you stay true. As we have opportunity, let us do good, therefore, unto all men. You know, one thing we look for is we pray for opportunities. We pray for God to send us opportunities that we can serve one another, we can help one another. If we'll open up our eyes, you'll see that there's opportunities all over the place. They are always there. So when Paul is writing, as we therefore have opportunity, it's kind of interesting to me, there's always opportunity, which tells us that we should always be doing good unto all men, especially who are of the household of faith, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ, so that you can maintain and fulfill the covenant that you made with Jesus, both in life and after death. We can see that Jonathan was a true friend from David from his actions of love both the giving nature, the warning nature, taking care of each other. This is the kind of friend that we must be towards all of our brothers and sisters. God has given us, an, an, God has given us one another for love and for support, and we must continue to take advantage of this. You know, it really is amazing the amount of great friends that we have right here in this room. And not only in this room, but all across the world. You can go anywhere you want to, and you can find members of the household of faith, brothers and sisters who love you and who care about you, and they will be there for you in times of need. And sometimes we never really know it. We never really know the deep relationships that we can have with one another until we take the time to truly find out. Spend time with each other, be hospitable with, hospitable with each other, and make sure that we continue to, to grow in our relationships and develop with one another. We also have to make sure we don't develop cliques, and that's easy to do. 
it's easy to find a small group that you hang out with and that you spend the majority of your time with. We have to make sure that we, we fight against that, that we're always welcoming to new people and that we maintain those relationships with all of our brothers and sisters and take full advantage of the wonderful people we have around us at all times. Everyone here in this room and every brother and sister that you have in Christ love you and care about you and support you, and they want to show you that. And it's our opportunity we can take advantage of that. When we have times of need, when we need a little pick-me-up, when we get a little bit discouraged, lean upon your brothers and sisters. And once again, there's no better friend that we have than Jesus Christ. Jesus gives you the, the robes of righteousness. He warns you of dangers ahead. He gives up his rightful place as heir to all things and shares it with you as children of God. All you have to do is submit to his will. Be baptized in the helm and, and baptism and wash away your sins, having the blood of him on you and, and earning that covenant that he wants to make with you and fulfilling that covenant by helping take care of your brothers and sisters in Christ. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.